improve their communication skills so they can help more people and help people more. I'm your host Dr Martin Harvey, I'm a chiropractor and I'm an expert at communicating the value of chiropractic. So a bit of a change of plans with the podcast this week. Originally the plan was I was going to map out my sort of template to increase your sense of clinical certainty and I will cover that super briefly but I will go into it in more depth next week I promise. But uh, I had a chat with the guest for today's uh, episode, Dr. Don McDonald, and he. some of the discussion that I had with him, I realized it'll actually make my discussion of certainty even more powerful if it comes after this discussion, because Don has a really important piece of the puzzle pretty much worked out. So I'm going to shuffle the order of the podcast a little bit, and so if you are hanging around waiting after last week's podcast which thank you very much for the messages I got after that one it's one of the ones that I've had the most messages after Um, the sort of follow-up to that the bookend to that will come next week because I really wanted to chat to Don or have you learn from Don before we got to the the deep dive on certainty so a little bit about Don Don and I have known each other for a number of years we met through Parker seminars he and his wife Brandy were super involved in Parker at the time that it came to Australia and they visited Australia a bunch of times with Parker seminars and I also uh, really loved catching up with Don and Brandy uh, in seminars all around the world and we have a really close friendship based on sort of shared values and enjoying the same things but also I found that or we both found that we really learned a lot and developed a lot through just chatting about chiropractic and challenging each other's ideas and and approaches so I wanted you guys to be, to have the chance to learn from Don because I think he's one of the smartest most creative most disciplined people in chiropractic and he has a really unique way of not only having these great ideas of and bringing ideas from outside of chiropractic to improve our ability to help people he also then has the discipline and structure to work his way through to getting those projects done and it's something that I really deeply admire about Don. He's a chiropractor, he practices in Edmonton, Canada. He graduated from Palmer College 23, I think, years ago. So he's been in practice a long time. He's still in full-time practice. He and and Brandy have also done a heap of other things. They've been really big supporters of the Australian Spinal Research Foundation. They've been politically very active. Don was was the president of his provincial association for many years. Um, And uh, they've run seminars to help inspire and train chiropractors and their teams to step up their game to a new level and also raise funds to support important causes in chiropractic. More recently, they've run a training program that we'll talk about in the seminar called the Vitality Shift, which is really an important piece of the puzzle that I was talking about to you about in terms of what creates certainty and I sort of gave the teaser last week that my take on certainty is it comes where you've clarified a couple of important aspects of philosophy 
which a lot of people do, but where I see the big breakdown in certainty coming is at that next step where you've got a paradigm, i.e. a less abstract concept of how you're applying the philosophical principles. So your model of subluxation, your model of how the nervous system works, and then applying that from a paradigm to the procedures, so the, the clinical tests that you do, the way that you communicate. So having that all aligned, philosophy, paradigm, and procedures. And Don and Brandy's vitality shift, I think, is a really important way of creating a, an alignment between the philosophy, the paradigm, and the procedures. So we'll talk about that with Don, and then next week I'm gonna loop back and flesh out that idea because next week I'm going to be opening up registration to my revamped certainty program. So for those of you who would like to have a boost in your level of clinical certainty, it's going to be a small group work uh, workshop. It's going to be online, but a cohort-based group based on my experience doing Seth Godin's marketing workshop. He found a really fabulous way of kind of asynchronous collaboration between people going through a, a course. So I'm going to be applying ideas from that. More of that next week. Um, but uh, back to Don, he's also been working, or he's currently working on something I think is super exciting, which is the chiropractic application of polyvagal theory. So many of you would be aware of Stephen Porges and his work on polyvagal theory. It it's an idea, a neurophysiological model that really aligns with a lot of the ideas within chiropractic in terms of the role of stress and the balance of sympathetic and parasympathetic function and the importance of driving parasympathetic function. So Don will speak a little bit about that in the podcast. So heaps of interesting stuff there. Um, and the other idea that Don talks quite a lot about is um, when he's talking about his influences is that idea that I spoke about earlier about we learn from interacting with other people that I've learned heaps from Don and he I'm very flattered that he feels like he's learned stuff from me. And a lot of it didn't come from what I spoke about at a seminar, but more the discussions that we've had. And so I've made a big commitment to this year creating more opportunities to interact with other chiropractors so I can grow and learn more and hopefully you guys can as well. So in terms of upcoming in-person stuff, I've mentioned it before on the podcast, the communicating to improve patient care, that's all launching in the next couple of weeks. First up is Tassie, then Melbourne, then dates after that. Anyway, all the dates are um, on the um, ACA website. The link is in the show notes. Uh, really excited to announce that I will be speaking at the Australian Chiropractic College um, Concordia event, which is March 11th and 12th in Adelaide. So really looking forward to getting back to that kind of big group atmosphere. It's been a long time. I think the last big group seminar I was at was actually Concordia in uh, almost exactly two years ago, right at the very big beginning of the pandemic. So super excited that I will be able to be back there and hope that I can get to see a bunch of you there. So lots of exciting things happening. Feels like it's an exciting time to be in chiropractic. 
and some of the discussion that we have with Don around the impact of stress, there's never been a more important time to be a chiropractor, never been a more important time to help people who have been stressed because that's what a pandemic does. It creates a huge amount of stress on people. So please welcome Dr. Don McDonald. Hey Don, great to see you. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it's great to see you again. Like always, it's been way too long that we haven't seen each other in live person. So I, I appreciate any time we get to spend together. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've got into that habit of seeing each other in various parts of the world every few months. And now it feels like it's been, well, it has been years, but it feels like it's been just a, an unimaginable amount of time since we got to catch up. I know I have to order my own beers and everything. I have no one to help me pick up my beers. I know. I, f- I feel like <laughs> I've been the irresponsible parent. I've got Don out there having to make beer decisions by himself. So that's a bit of an inside <laughs> joke. But when Don and I have been away in uh, in different environments, I, uh, my kind of over-domineering nature begins to assert itself and I um, decide for Don what he's going to be drinking that night. So anyway... <laughs> So Don, long time, but I imagine lots and lots of things have been happening. You've been keeping yourself busy during the uh, lack of travel that um, COVID has created. But before we get to that, probably the most important thing, what sort of coffee are you under the influence of these days? The coffee? Okay, you're going to hate this because this is what we had last time is we have, we, uh, and we, I'm going to swear. So we have drip coffee and it's <laughs> flavored. Coffee beans, which is caramello, caramello flavored coffee beans. Oh my goodness, that's an abomination. So um, <laughs> I'm sure you enjoy it. So drip coffee, you're talking like the the old school, uh, like dripolator in a jug kind of thing. Is that what we're yeah, talking? Yeah, the little scooper guy with all the grounds in it, and you just yeah, yeah you just drip it in there. Yeah. Okay, and the. Uh, the other thing I always remembered when we've had coffee is the difference in volume that we'll have like a little little shot or a piccolo and you're going the bucket of coffee style. Is that still the way? Yes. And uh, well, at least I'm more aware of my environment because the first time we're in Melbourne and you took us out for coffee, I think I drank about three or four of those, just like I was drinking the same speed. It would be like someone who's normally who drank like a beer and then they drink hard alcohol. And then I was like halfway through our breakfast and I, was like losing consciousness i was feeling like because i was like wow this is strong stuff i feel like you're about to shit your pants from uh, <laughs> caffeine intake yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so i can influence- like the big mugs baby <laughs> yeah i can influence the beer drinking but not the coffee drinking hey yeah. Eh? yeah yeah so now you guys have been super super busy i've been seeing you guys have started a new practice or not started a new practice you've created a new practice building um, you've got the vitality shift, all those sort of things. So kind of, if we look across all the different domains that you are working in, what's the influence that you are trying to have? Well, I think, um, again, we, we've always lived chiropractic. So we just, we, we love that and we love it in our model. Uh, I think earlier on in my career, and probably same with you, is I wanted to help the whole profession. So I was like, I was, uh, I was president of the Empty and Chiropractic Society and we're trying to like encourage chiropractors to like chiropractic more <laughs> or, to, <laughs> or to like see that what we do is amazing. And I spent probably the first 10 years of my career trying to convince other chiropractors how amazing what they were doing is. And um, that was exhausting. And, uh, <laughs> and, and imagine. 
And it's just like, it's just like with our, with our practice members, or our patients, if you're like, if you have to dance around and jump around, um, like, a like a kind of a, an entertainer trying to, uh, hopefully they enjoy what they're doing, then you're probably not spending time with the right people. So what we've really done is just really narrowed down to, uh, people that are, are wanting to learn about it. Like, so with chiropractors, yeah. our practice members, we're getting really clear on, uh, who we want to work with. And, uh, so yeah, we're, we're really, um, just, just focusing on our practice and, and focusing on chiropractic. We've really got more into one-on-one -on -one work uh, when we're doing our vitality shift stuff, just because it's, uh, we want, we get, we love that connection and you also get the transformation. So you get the real big transformation when you're at a okay. seminar, you can give ideas, but like, I know even me at a big seminar, I've, I've learned a lot of big ideas, but if there's some blocks in your mind or blocks that are preventing you from doing stuff, you know, I think many people have shelves of, of notes from their yeah. seminar that, that have never been implemented. And so it's nice to actually kind of guide people through that implementation process. So let, can we maybe unpack that in terms of the idea of the vitality shift? Cause I think it's a, I think it's a really powerful one. I think there's a lot of my understanding of it, which may or not be hundred percent accurate is there's a lot of chiropractors who find that idea of a vitalistic practice super engaging this sort of if you ask them those core philosophical questions about you know is the body self-healing self-regulating self-developing they're a hundred percent certain of that or if you ask them you know is the nervous system the master control system they'll go yeah absolutely so if we apply a model of care that reduces interference to the nervous system should that have an impact on people in terms of their global well-being their ability to heal regulate and develop yeah absolutely and then there's this big gap in terms of implementation to that. And that's where I sort of saw the genius in what you and Brandy created with the Vitality Shift was it was kind of a way, a bridge between that, that aspiration and then actually implementing it. Is that kind of accurate or, or have I completely yeah. just created a program that I now <laughs> need to make? Yeah, no, that sounds an amazing program. I'll buy it when you get it. No, <laughs> But yeah, no, like I really, that's the whole thing is that we know that chiropractic helps um, in a way bigger scale than back pain and neck pain. Um, we've heard all these crazy stories of how people have had these miraculous health recoveries under chiropractic care. Um, we've, we've gone to school and we're regulated in a pathogenic model, which is basically treating conditions where in chiropractic, we are allowed to treat neck conditions and low back conditions and uh, yeah cervicogenic headache conditions <laughs> yes and, and possibly i love when you get down the rabbit hole of that though when there's things like you uh i think i've forgotten the um the study but it was basically a meta-analysis of a whole lot of the different um studies looking at what you could appropriately claim chiropractic could help and it was like you'd help neck pain so long as you didn't manipulate the neck it was through thoracic manipulation only and you're like oh my god did has anybody here practiced chiropractic but anyway well and and, and i was just gonna say and the ironic thing about that when you go to most chiropractic schools um, if they don't have a symptom in an area, you're not allowed to adjust that area. So then they'd be, they'd be kind of hooped anyway, because yeah. if they have problems in their neck and you're adjusting the thoracics, that would be. Yeah. Not contraindicated. Yes. Totally. So, so, so then what happens is in that pathogenic model, uh, then we see that things ha ha happen with like colic or, or other things like digestive stuff or whatever. Um, and so then we just go right into, because we're treating neck pain and back pain and cervicogenic headaches, then some people start saying we treat other things and then we get in trouble because we're not allowed to say we treat that, but we treat this. Yeah. 
then in reality, do we really treat back pain or do we really treat neck pain? Um, and does everybody get hundred percent better under yeah. care? And we said, no, but what can we say that we do and what can we do in our practice to measure what we say that we're going to do yeah. and, and, and actually stand by the results. And yeah. so we found if you measure stuff like function, we got, you know, proprioception, heart rate variability, ribcage expansion, um, you know, middle Myers balancing, see which, which way the brain, um, uh, is, is functioning and is, is our spine working properly? Is it communicating properly with our head with movement? That all stuff can be measured. But the thing is, is a lot of chiropractors don't measure it. And so what happens is we start to lose confidence because we'll hear someone on stage and, you know, you'll hear these crazy stories of someone getting adjusted and cured from some weird thing. And then chiropractors are like, how come my patients aren't curing from these things? <laughs> yeah. Maybe I suck. Yeah. And, uh, but they haven't been, they haven't been paying attention. It's so funny. We, we even just do something, just implement like just a serious, just the simple posture picture from the front and from the side. Yeah. We don't even do the fancy SAM units with all the grids and stuff like just a regular posture picture. Yeah. And it's funny because when we do our one-on-one -on -one work, we, we have them send all their information, all their objective findings from their first visit. Yeah. And we talk to them after the first visit just to help prepare their mindset for the report of findings. This is, this is working one-on-one -on -one with a chiropractor, you're saying? Yeah. 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 See, the vitality shift is more of like kind of a, like you said, it's a do-it-yourself program. It's like yeah. correspondence. Yeah. Um, and then people who want help to implement it, we, we usually just Work do with a one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. yeah. Just a nine-day program. But it's funny because then they'll do a reevaluation. They're like, oh my gosh, they didn't change. And then, so we go, well, look at this change. Look at this change. Like, so we're looking at their results and yeah. we see the change. But, but because they haven't been looking for it, they haven't seen the change. And over time, that's chipped away at their confidence. Yeah. And, and I think the vitality shift at the very beginning, you know, we do a lot of these objective findings, I think almost more for the chiropractor because, yeah. because the more certain you get that no matter yeah. what, somebody changes from a chiropractic adjustment every single time. Like yeah. it always happens. But yeah. if you're not paying attention to it, you don't know what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the thing that I love about it is to me, if we look at that idea of clinical certainty, it's super important. Like it, I remember going to seminars and when I was a chiropractic student and when I first graduated and you'd look at chiropractors who were, you know, quote unquote, uh, successful in whatever domain, the technique gurus or the people with the really big practices or the people who just were having a great time in practice. And whenever they would speak, or if you ask them, you know, kind of what's the key to your success, they would talk about this idea of certainty. And But then when you ask them how they got it, it would come up with all this sort of, oh, it's in better understanding the philosophy or mastering the technique or whatever it was. And to me, the, the missing piece of the puzzle often is when you get to the philosophy, those sort of core philosophies that, or the core components of the philosophy that impact you uh your your clinical care most people are 100 percent certain in those ideas of the body being self-healing self-regulating nervous system the primacy of the nervous system etc but their certainty almost kind of leaks out through not having a paradigm that aligns with that that uh, philosophy not having procedures that align with a the paradigm there's sort of this vagueness there and what i loved about what you guys created was there is a real how you know that epistemological basis of how do I know uh, that this is true? Well, I need tangible evidence, but I need evidence that's aligned with the nervous system and joint movement and uh, disaffrontation models of subluxation and all those sort of things. If I'm not measuring those things, how can I ever have certainty in what I'm delivering? 
hundred percent. And, and also when you see it hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, like it just, it's just, it overflows uh, like the confidence, which is, which is, which is quite great because I think as my personality style as, as being kind of a, a Labrador, like just want to be everyone to like them and stuff. It just, it's so much more, uh, um, it's just enjoyable to practice when I can, I can deliver the goods that I'm offering. Yeah. And when you treat, when you treat conditions, it doesn't matter what conditions, yeah. well, including back pain, it, you, you don't know for sure if you can yeah. deliver the goods. Yeah. And then I guess if you're then relying on their results to underpin your certainty, then you're sort of the, the roll of the dice, depending on how they go, you know, somebody's back pain goes away super nicely and you go, woohoo, I'm great. And then somebody's either doesn't get better or gets worse or comes back or whatever. It's like, ah, I'm pretty crap at this. So yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say too, like we've really dived also into the polyvagal theory and actually, uh, I forgot to say that that's actually what we're working on right now is we're currently working on a yeah. program. That looks really cool. Did, maybe let's flesh that out. So polyvagal theory, Stephen Porges, what's what's the deal there? So it's really funny because I've always heard, again, we go to seminars, we hear about the polyvagal theory and Stephen Porges and blah, blah, blah. And I can't remember what it was. Oh, I think Brandy, had, she was doing like a trauma-informed uh, course that she did. And we listened to um, a recording with Dr. Stephen Porges. And I'm like, I'm like, geez, like that language, that language is totally chiropractic so much like, it's crazy. So I said, I'm just going to try it out. So I just, for my podcast, just like sent him a message and see if you come on my podcast. And it was funny. And then they reached out and they said, actually, we talked to Dr. Steve Porges and he'd like to come on your podcast. He's pretty busy yeah. dude. So I, I think I had to book it four months in advance, but um, I got it on there and, and it was, uh, it was cool because the whole, as we were on there, we kind of talked, talked stuff through and, and just the, the umbrella of the polyvagal theory basically talks about the evolution of the nervous system and how in the, in the reptilian days, we had like the, we had the, the parasympathetic, but the dorsal vagal, yeah. its purpose was if you got in serious trouble and fighting or flighting would not be appropriate to get out of that situation, you basically shut down and play dead. Yeah. Yep. And so it, just, yeah. it would put you into freeze. You'd yeah. go into collapse because in some situations, if you fought, it'd be actually more dangerous for yep. you. Than if you froze, then you have the sympathetic, right? Which yep. is the, which is the fight or flight. And that is uh, mobilization in fear. So you're moving, but you're in, in a state of, of stress. And then as mammals developed, it's pretty cool. Like how he talks about the goal of mammals is actually to collaborate mm -hmm. with others yep. so that we can evolve and innovate together yep. as a species. Yep. And so we had to develop something called the ventral vagus. And so the ventral vagus is kind of like a break that just helps to kind of, when it's healthy, like we always say, um, I don't know if you remember, you know, in, in the, the superheroes, I think his name was Cyclops, where he had to wear that, that eye mask. And then if he <laughs> wears this eye I'm the mask, wrong person to ask about superheroes. So you just okay. say whatever you think is true and I'll believe you. I will describe. So this, this superhero, he shoots crazy energy out of his eyes and it blows up everything in it that he looks at. Um, unless he wears these glasses because these glasses help to dampen yeah. the superhero power that he has. Yeah. And so I always say the ventral vagal is kind of like that. If you don't, your sympathetic is like spraying stuff all over the place yeah. and like yeah. attacking everything. And the ventral vagal helps you just kind of calm down. Mm -hmm. down. Got it. Okay. And the whole reason it needs to calm down is that so that we become social. Yeah. Uh, interesting. And, 
And yeah. then, and then the, and then the cool thing is that puts us to a, a safety, a, a state of safety, yeah. uh, because when we're in a state of, um, well, we have cues of danger when we're in danger, that's obviously firing off the stress response. And so also when we're ventral vagal, that's when the healing response kicks in. Right. Yeah. And that's when everything totally starts to, that's the good part of the parasympathetics, right? Yeah. The yeah. other part, if we go dorsal vagal, that's like collapse or like chronically burnt out yeah. stress yeah. response. Yeah. And so, um, so it, it's so tied into chiropractic care. And, and when we talk about, I was just talking to him about all of our objective findings about rib cage expansion, because when you breathe deep, that helps to fire off ventral vagal, which dampens yeah. it down. Um, when you have better posture that helps dampen it down when you're more upright and you put, and you, uh, put weight bearing onto the facet joints that increase proprioception so that you're more aware of your environment. It dampens it down. Yeah. Like heart rate like all that stuff like everything that we did is everything is ventral vagal but we're yeah. measuring it and chiropractic is the quickest thing to get someone in a state of safety or like in chiropractic we used to call it a state of ease like that's what yep. chiropractic's language is yep and i always heard this before but i never really understood it where uh in their terms they say safety is the treatment got it yeah and so for us ease is where the healing happens we don't like we don't like the word treatment but ease is actually the goal and and when they first under under care um after an adjustment you get immediate ease but it's not sustained because they've been wired yeah for stress yeah right we need to do uh repetitions and that's the importance of the care plan is because we need to retrain or we need to train safety or we need to train the loop of ease yeah and uh, so everybody, everyone knows about patterns that people kind of go back to the default of whatever they're used to. Yep. And, but most people are wired into that sympathetic response and not wired into ease. I just had a practice member the other day, yesterday, I think. And I said, it's funny how so many people have to take courses on relaxing, but no one needs to take a course on getting stressed. <laughs> not true. I'm just far too relaxed. I need to <laughs> yeah. learn how to stress out of what's the floor. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yes. Yes. We're definitely wired for that as a default, isn't it? I guess then that yeah. if you look at it from an anthropological perspective, it, we're probably wired for that for a, from a survival perspective. It's there's a survival value in um, overreacting uh, and rather than underreacting and going, oh, it's probably nothing. And no, it's actually a saber tooth tiger. That it's not a lot of survival value in just chilling out and don't sweat the small stuff. A hundred percent. Yeah, and it's funny because during this conversation, this is why at the end he said, you know, you should contact. You should contact, I really like the way you describe that through chiropractic and you should contact our, the Polyvagal Institute and see if maybe we can collaborate on a program. That was after just like one hour uh, interview, just the interview. We wow. talked a bit of before and after. And so we've reached out and we're going to do like a little kind of uh, like a polyvagal informed chiropractor course through the Polyvagal Institute, probably coming out maybe in the summer or just kind of working on it now, but it's, uh, I was, did an interview with Dr. Michael Hall one time and he said, because this is at the big time and you're with me too. We're all like, we need more chiropractic research yeah. and that will solve all of our problems. And I was interviewing Michael Hall one time and he said, you know what? We, there's tons of research already out about just like uh, uh, developmental anatomy and developmental physiology. And when you just understand how the body works, it's not really hard to link proper movement yeah. in your spine and dialing down the nervous system into making, to helping that. Right. Yeah. And the polyvagal Institute, they have tons of research and they already have the, the whole explanation and, and it, it blows my mind because we listen to personal trainers, uh, people who teach play. We have psychologists, we have like nurses, we have 
like they have all these different professions and they have no chiropractors that are doing any training on it. And yet like we are the quickest to get someone into a state of ease after an adjustment out compared to all of those. It's just, it's amazing. So that's what we're really excited about is that we'll be able to get involved with the rest of those practitioners. And, And there's a lot of different practitioners, a lot of different professions who already understand the model. Yeah. They just don't understand how chiropractic links into that model. So we're pretty excited so cool. to, to help that link, not just for the chiropractors, but just in general for people to be able to see the link. That's awesome. So I guess if we're looking at the areas that you're having an influence in, we've spoken about the vitality shift and the one-on-one coaching there. We've spoken about the upcoming uh, polyvagal informed chiropractor program. If chiropractors are interested in this sort of broad area of um, moving their practice into more of a vitality sort of oriented practice and having the tools to both communicate that and implement that from a technical perspective. What's the best way of finding you? Well, I think the best thing is just go to our website, the, the vitalityshift.com. So www.thevitalityshift.com. Okay. And then, then um, don't crash your car. The link will be in the show notes. So if you just look at whatever <laughs> podcast player you are on, there should be a link in there. Um, so uh, just follow that. And also too, just like just looking up on my podcast too, I've been a little slacker. So I haven't had any shows for the last three or four months just because we've been working on the practice, but I'll, yeah. I'll probably fire up some more shows here in the next little while, but it's called the Vitality Shift for Pi- for Chiropractors. Yeah. And uh, the second last one that's on there is actually one of the Dr. C. Yeah, Borges it's really clubs. good. Yeah, and I have to pay homage to the uh, Vitality Shift for Chiropractors podcast slash the underdog, um, <laughs> the underdog curse podcast. It's changed names along the because it was part of my inspiration to start my own podcast, getting to chat and have a heap of fun with you on your podcast, and then also just enjoy so many of the episodes. It's um, I think there's that real specificity to podcasts done by chiropractors where you're interviewing people from our very specific lens that you get way more out of it than you know the joe rogan experience or some big mass market podcast that um it doesn't come from the same sort of viewpoint of the world so yeah thank you well there's only like i think five or six three peters on my podcast and you're one of them on the planet so there you go excellent (laughs) All right. I like it. I'm just going to catch up to Brandy. I think, uh, yeah. There we go. You got a few to catch up with. Yeah. Do I I have to marry you to to accomplish that or is it, can I just possibly? (laughs) All right. So now we, we sort of skipped over the process that you guys went through to create the amazing new practice space as well. So I'm super curious, like I know, like all these things, you and Brandy are incredibly sort of purposeful and thoughtful in the way that you go about things. But like if you were to, from your experience of creating something that you just love and it's really serving you, if you were to look for what, what are the lessons or, or approaches or recommendations that you would give to somebody else who was at the beginning of that path, they were wanting to make a physical space that really represented their practice or their vision for their practice what's your take on how to go about that well i think um i think and it's just like how we work one-on-one and the vitality shift and everything we really want to tailor it to both what we want which is our expression of our ideal practice and also what works best 
in the environment that we're currently in. I often tell the story about when we first came to Australia, um, I just moved from a big, huge practice to a little practice. And I'd only been in it for, I think, maybe six months or something before we came to Australia. And I was like, on my way to Australia, I'm like, man, I need to get more space because I was used to this huge, wide open space. And then we're just, we have this little office that was like almost probably one third of the size of the other practice. And, you know, when people are are waiting in the front, like the whole place that people are standing, like it was just like, it just seemed really squishy. And, uh, and the funny thing is I came and I saw your practice and your practice was just a little bit bigger than mine. You had three chiropractors practicing out of it. And I'm like, my gosh, I can make this work. And so, <laughs> so we went back and it, and it, and it was, and it was fine. Like we, we had to move to this new place, um, pretty quickly. So we were just looking for a space that would take a chiropractic office. So we didn't create it. Yeah. We didn't create it. We just made, made it work. And we did a little bit of renovations, but just with the pandemic and with a social distancing and all stuff, uh, we, we have to do all these things in order to keep our license. We, 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 we're not like the United States where you can just stand up and tell everyone to bugger off and uh, yeah. do what you want, like, or else we don't practice. So you just lose, you just don't, you lose the right to have your profession. So we, we got to follow all these rules. And with the small office, like it was just a nightmare trying to like wait, have people wait in their car and like, them texting them to get them in and when you have a busy practice it's hard to kind of especially for yeah. the for our front end staff like it's just they were exhausted at the end of the every day because you're just you're just trying to tra- air traffic control so many people and uh we you know go through this pandemic you see stores close uh you see like a lot more storefronts open uh our lease comes up to an end and our landlord is going to crank the rent oh and we're like, are you exactly are, are you <laughs> kidding me and Brandy's like, like when she found out, she's like, there's no way. And she's like, I'm going to find a different place. So she just goes in her car. So we're at lunch. She just finishes up lunch and she just gets in her car and starts just driving around where our office is. And she says, I'm going to find something else. She said, if I can move to a new place that's bigger and cheaper than my current, our current lease, she said, that's what our, our target is. And so she found a place and it was twice the size of our current place or our old place. And it was like... I don't know, maybe a third or a th- well, it's probably maybe two thirds of the of the price of the, our previous. Wow! Lease. So we decreased our overhead, uh, got more space, had just an empty space too, like it was just basically a square box, and so we got um, uh, a, a contractor that does the design work as well. Yeah. And and we designed it all out. And you know, the nice thing about opening up a new practice when you're 23 years in is that you know exactly how it's yeah. going to run. You know exactly what you want. I always remember we I designed one, we designed out a practice when I was first in practice and you're like, well, I think we need a room so that they can watch the VHS tape of like Sigafoos. And so you create a whole room for them to sit and listen to this thing when, you know, 90% of people want to stick their, stick a pencil in their eye instead of sit there and watch a video before they, yes. <laughs> before they come in. And again, you just think these are good ideas. And so you just create it. And then you don't really know until you've been in practice for a while. So um, I think, I think uh, the pandemic has been the best time ever to uh, do this because again, me and Brandy, we were traveling once to twice, Brandy, especially twice yeah. a month. Yeah. And then you go to zero for two years. And uh, like, yeah. I'm, I'm so glad that we focused on that because you need a project. And I think people are starting to get, even who view the world, the chiropractic and the life through our lens, almost start to get neurotic because they get so mad at uh, any kind of like the government or regulation or all that kind of stuff, which we don't really have that much control over at the moment. And it's not super helpful for your health. Um, 
like, we don't want to guess. Yeah, it, like because you just basically it, it takes you away from that uh, ventral vagal state from the polyvagal theory, right? We get yeah. into a state of non-safety. Um, and so it's super important to focus our energy on something that is creative of creating something. And the challenge is, is once you block yourself off from everything mm-hmm. and, and then fight with half of your friends or fight with half of your family or fight with everybody else around you, uh, you actually, you, you kind of contract yeah. as a human. And so we were pretty lucky that our friend group, we'd already kind of vetted a lot of chiropractors didn't vet their friend group before the pandemic. And then that created a lot of problems. Our friend group was great. Like we had no surprises. Everybody was cool. We've been on the same board along the same lines. So that wasn't stressful for us, but just having a project to create um, was awesome. And uh, yeah, like we, we, we just love, love our new place. It's just, it has cool. has all the all the things that I liked about my other practice, but just a little bit bigger. So we always just needed a little bit more room. We were yeah. just a little bit it squishy. I'm I came and visited your practice um, number of years ago, and it had a great energy. But you know, you're a big guy, and it was almost like oh, you almost need to bounce off a wall here to get this bit to happen. So I reckon you needed you need like 10% more, but if you get a hundred percent more, it's like, well, we've got the luxury of space. This place is huge. Yeah. And, and they're just, just little things. Like it's funny. Cause my other place, uh, right across from my open room, I, we had the bathroom. Yeah. And so people are like coming in and out and, you know, some people might have to, uh, evacuate their system <laughs> and then it just wafts right into the open room and stuff. So like we just had, we just had, you know, certain things that would just weren't ideal. And, and now yeah. it's like our, our, our practice is a little bit like a horseshoe. And so where my open room is where the bathroom is totally far away. Yeah. Um, we, we, we just actually, and I really like it now is we just got, um, curtains. Um, so yeah. we have like a T bar yeah, and it, and it only six foot high. So we actually have higher, um, I have a higher divide because I kind of, when I first was in practice, I like full open room. Yeah. Uh, and then I didn't like that. Cause like, I just liked a little bit of even visual, uh, mm. visual barrier, um, from table to table. So I put up like, just like a, a temporary wall that would be yeah. kind of wobbly. And then we created a bigger one at the last place. But this time we did a full six foot wall and it was like kind of a more, um, more privacy. And then we just put a bar across with these nice, um, nice curtains that are mm-hmm. sound absorbing curtains. Uh, cool. And yeah. it just, and it just makes it nice and cozy. A, a lot of stuff with the polyvagal theory too is about noise. Um, yeah. And when someone's wired up in the stress response, um, yeah. we can't hear, we have a hard time hearing, um, higher frequencies like voice frequencies and we're more yeah. trained to listen to low frequencies um like danger frequencies yeah. and so if you if you have a really noisy office which again at first you know in our old old days loved busy office or a, yeah. a loud office because that meant there was it was vibrant but we do realize now especially after that pandemic people are a mess and they need they need some more quiet like we i don't want to creep you quiet but we want we just want that hum in the background yeah. just like yeah chilled out yes yeah yeah and so we just needed to dial down the noise yeah and uh just even dialing down the noise people are relaxing better on the table they're adjusting better we're, we're getting to them to that state of ease with yeah. a lot less effort and uh and it's just helping all around that's awesome that's super cool so let's change uh tech a little bit here and go back what what influenced you to become a chiropractor or get involved in chiropractic in the first place well i uh played a lot of basketball. So if it wasn't for basketball, I wouldn't be a chiropractor. I, it was like a 17, 18 year old 
basketball junkie where the reason I went to school was so I could play basketball. And the reason I had to get pretty good marks was so that I could go to college to play basketball. So that was kind of my motivation. Um, at the time I, I, I started suffering with chronic tendonitis in my knees when I was about uh, 15 years old. And for four years, I just took drugs, um, went to physio, uh, tried to do exercises in the old days we had to order mail order exercise programs where I had to like order it away in the mail before I could like order something on the internet. I have to yeah. tell the young people out there that yes. you actually have to send a letter away take about, like a, six months to get a program. <laughs> remember the stamp self-addressed envelope to, uh, yeah. And you, you $15 in, uh, in us currency. Yeah. 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 It, it was funny. And so like, I, that's all I focused on and I, and I had to research on how to, and it was very frustrating. Like I, I played hurt all the way through high school. I actually left my small town. I grew up in a real small town. I asked my parents if I could live with my aunt and uncle in, in the city where I live now, which is a five hour drive away from our little small town, just so I could play basketball because it was higher competition yeah. and I played, but I was hurt the whole time. And then I went to college to play basketball and, and it wasn't until I went to college that I actually went to a chiropractor. And the first thing he did was look at my neck. I have this picture in my, uh, in my uh, new patient room of me, just the picture from the side when I was 19 years old and I had a total reverse cervical, reserve, uh, reverse cervical curve, totally rolled forward shoulders, totally, butt, like kind of, you know, no, butt, like the grandpa, butt, kind of yeah. hooked, hooked underneath. And, uh, I said to the chiropractor, I said, no silly chiropractor. It's not about my posture. It's about my knees. And he's, and he's like, well, what's everybody been working on? And I'm like my knees and how's that working? It's not. And so I, uh, I started under care and just, he was, he was very big into educating about what chiropractic was. And, uh, yeah. So first I was mad because it was four years of very, of a lot of frustration, never living up to my potential, um, playing the sport that I really loved. And, uh, and then finally finding out that it was chiropractic, but then I spun it around and, and that actually became my motivation to become a chiropractor. And so the funny thing is once I was in practice a few years and I think I was complaining about chiropractic and people don't accept it and, and they think you're quacks and half the chiropractors don't even like chiropractic and da, 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 da. And she's like, what do you, she said, you're kidding yourself. Like if, if everyone just automatically went to a chiropractor and it was just normal, you would have thought it was boring. It wouldn't be one. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, good point. Yeah. That's, that's so, hilarious. So that's, always, that, that was Brandy that said that. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Got it. Yeah. Cause she, cause I, I like, I always like, like my, I, I love to know something that helps a lot of people and nobody understands that. Like that's for me is the coolest thing to have a cool secret yeah. that, that, you know, that helps people, but no one even understands it properly. It's, and if everybody knows about it, it's like kind of boring. I don't yeah, really like it. It's like when you, your favorite band goes from being obscure and indie to mainstream, you're like, Oh damn, I liked it. <laughs> totally. I liked it more when only I liked you. <laughs> totally. So if chiropractic does and go across the world, then I'll probably retire and do something else. Cause it'll be too boring. <laughs> It's hilarious. Um, so across the journey, I know that you've been mentored by a lot of different people and you've been one of those people who's constantly learning and evolving your understanding and application of the sort of chiropractic principles and paradigm. Um, who would you say or what would you say have been your biggest influences across the journey? Uh, well, I'll always start off with my wife because uh, that's that's, that's been the constant one. And the funniest thing was my second favorite is the, uh, Dr. John D. Martini, um, which 
it's funny because at one of the seminars that we were at, well, actually we did a mastermind in my office with D Martini. We did it kind of two years back to back in a row. And uh, the first time as we were talking, he was talking about giving recommendations of what to do the whole time. Brandy's elbowing me and elbowing me and elbowing me and elbowing me. And, and D Martini uh, realized that. And he said, he said to Brandy, he says, don't you worry. He said, Don will listen to what I said because he's paying me a lot of money. And even though it's the exact thing that you've been telling him for years, <laughs> I think it took me about probably eight to 10 years to realize that um, I got some pretty good advice from my own wife and yeah. uh, I didn't have to keep paying other people tons of money to tell me the exact same thing that she's been telling me <laughs> for a long time. But she, she's my biggest. Um, Dr. John Martini was huge, just like personal development wise as well. As far as chiropractic goes, um, Ron Oberstein was my very first chiropractor. So he was a really big influence on me. Was your first chiropractor or was your first coach? Sorry, first coach. Yeah, first yeah coach. got it. Yeah. Yeah. So he was my first coach. Uh, and then. So this uh, is Ron Oberstein, who's now president of uh, Life West and was the uh, president of the ICA, had a legendary practice in San Diego for years and years and years. And also, I don't think he runs coaching anymore. I mean, I can't imagine he has time, but was a no. chiropractic coach for years and years. Yeah. So him for sure. Um, Dr. Gilles Lamarche, who, yeah. um, you know, ran Parker seminars for a long time. Now he's at Life. Uh, he, he was a big mentor for me. Um, yeah. And I think then what happened was when Brandy started speaking at, uh, at uh, Parker seminars, again, that's when I started to meet you guys and we hung out like everywhere. You basically, you kind of go from like watching the speakers on stage to like hanging out with high yeah. performers. And yeah. then what happens is you, you interact and you actually, I even, we, we usually call it the seminar after the seminar is that yeah. when you're like jiving with people, the chiropractors after, like you kind of learn a lot. And uh, I think just the influence of, mixing ideas back and forth, yeah. challenging each other and uh, giving each other insights. Um, I think that's the power of a mastermind. You hang around Absolutely. high performers. It doesn't matter what, if it's a sport, if it's a profession, you're just going to rub off on each other. And I think that was, we spent, I think we went to something like 30 Parker seminars in a row. Wow. And when you, when you just hang out with like the creme of the creme for yeah. like five or eight years straight, yeah. like, it's, it's going to rub off. <laughs> and it's interesting, interesting you say that. I think that's one of the things that with the uh, pandemic and not having seminars for a couple of years, you can still get that content uh, online. You know, I did a heap of seminars, but what you miss is that, that more individualised, deeper discussion that you have with the people outside of the room and having drinks or dinner or whatever else that you... that it's fun, but it's also where you often make the really clear distinctions because it's that more interactive rather than just like you say, writing notes in a, in a notebook that may or may not get implemented. You sort of forced to really discuss and um, work through a lot of those ideas. Well, and I think that when we go back to the polyvagal theory, I think it's, it's that it's the idea of play and collaboration and connection. And so it's funny, we've even, we have a, we have a group coaching this kind of like a, a, a layer above the vitality shift for just people who we just stay engaged with. And we do a group call every month and we just will, will we'll help people along the way, but we do it in a group format. We just started during the pandemic, we started just doing wine with Donna Brandy. And so we'll just do a fun, like a zoom call. And we just all like, well, it depends. Cause we have also members from Australia too. So usually for having wine, they got to have coffee. Yeah. It's, 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 
but we sit around and have a couple of drinks and like, and like try to reproduce that atmosphere. Uh, because I think when people just relax yeah. and can be kind of more authentic to each other, um, that's when I think the collaboration is the best. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got chiropractic influences there. Any other major life influences outside of chiropractic that you feel have been impactful on where you are and what you've accomplished? You know what? I think it's funny. Is it right back when I was first married with Brandy? I, I, after I read my board exams, I almost vowed never to read a book again because I was tired of studying and I hated it. And so one time Brandy said, you know, you just got to read a book. And so I went to the library and she was, she, cause she just reads books. She, she loves fiction books and she was like, read them like insane. Yeah. I call her like a little computer. She just like flies through a book in a week. I'm a little bit of a slow reader and I just kind of like, I like to absorb it, but I also like nonfiction cause I, I prefer just to learn something. If I'm going to do something fiction, I'm just going to watch a movie. I don't really feel like reading it. So I was just looking for something and there's, it was a book I picked off the shelf called multiple streams of income yeah. by Robert Allen. And, um, that was my first book that I read for fun after <laughs> school, like for fun. And, and I think, you know, growing up without a lot of money and not being able to do a lot of things because of finances and, uh, you know, just feeling almost a little bit like I was a lower class a little bit yeah. than, than people around me. Um, those kind of motivational speakers, Tony Robbins was another one who basically gave you an idea or had a vision for yourself bigger than you have for yourself that you can actually, you can, you can change things and you, you can become a different person. You can do whatever you want. And, um, I think those are the ones that that gave me that, that inspiration that like, I, I can change my, my outcome of my life. I can, I could travel the world. Like if I wanted, we did travel the world. We did, we did, we, we did all that stuff. And then now to be able to do that for other people is, I, th- I think, I really think, you know, a lot of your, uh, your values come from your voids. And so yeah. one of my biggest value voids was I wasn't able to do stuff because I felt less than. Yeah. And so if I can not only do that for myself, but also help other people do stuff that they'd love to, and not just use the excuse that they're less than to not yeah. do it. Yeah. And then the second thing was health, right? I, I wanted to be an amazing basketball player, but I was less than because I was not functioning at hundred percent. So I was yep. always at about like 60%. So I could never get the outcome that I truly wanted, but that was because my body wasn't functioning properly because of the noble chiropractic. So I kind of take those two um, main philosophies into most of all the stuff that I do. And now we just have the, the, the amazing opportunity to be able to help other people. And because I just love the profession so much for those that want to learn, yeah. <laughs> like those people who are, want to love chiropractic and want to do better and want to help people. Um, it's super rewarding to be able to work with those people now. Yeah, absolutely. That's super cool. So Don, this has been quite an amazing chat. Thank you. We've gone all the way from choosing beers and me, my uh, abject disappointment at your coffee situation. I feel like we need to, and it need an intervention <laughs> at some, at some stage soon, but I've tried it before and it doesn't work. And then we've gone uh, into the uh, nervous system. We've gone polyvagal. We've gone the importance of lining up your, uh, I guess, your um, testing approach within the practice with what your clinical objective is, what a concept that that might help. 
Um, and then we've gone down all the influences that have got you there. So I really appreciate you sharing with uh, with me and with our audience. And as always, it's great. Can I add to... one more? Can I add one? Of course. More? I want to add yeah, one yeah. more. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and I want to I want to add you to this list too because um, one of the things that you said to me earlier on, which was uh, that is stuck to me from now on, and it was just I was just reminding about reminded of it again just today, is that you said one of the best ways to be one of the best chiropractors is to get an associate to be able to teach others yeah, yeah. what you do, because often in chiropractic we become kind of unconsciously competent. Yes, but then we consciously don't know what we're doing. Yeah. Like we don't really know, and you don't know how to explain it which is fine, but like, we always know if you don't work on something, it's going to degrade a bit. Like entropy yeah. always kind of yeah. whittles down a bit. So one of the biggest gifts about teaching others or, or coaching others, like we, we coach people through their first visit, coach them through adjusting. We have a undergrad student who's just doing a practicum with us in our office and she's 13 weeks with us. And then she's starting chiropractic school in the summer. And just to have her follow me around and get back to the basics, it just like, and then just yeah. working one-on-one -on -one with people, it just helps you sharpen the saw so much because you're just teaching people what you do uh, automatically without having to think about it. And so I have to thank you uh, for, for kind of bringing that to my, my attention. And it's oh, funny. I always, th I always think of you every time when we, when I'm telling someone oh, else, like, like, cool. like, like mentor somebody else, like show, help somebody else and, and yeah. show them how you do what you do because it actually just makes you better. And so yeah. that's a, that's another huge thing that. We, oh, that thank I, you. Yeah, that was certainly my experience was there was a bunch of things that I did that when you had to really structure it of look, how would I expect somebody else to do this? You go, oh my God, I haven't thought about it in that way. So yeah, Just super valuable. Yeah. Just do it. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yep. Yep. Who would have thought? Awesome. All right, buddy. Well, thanks so much for having a chat. Always great to see you. Always great to learn from you. So let's hope it's in person real soon. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for listening to the Under the Influence podcast. Make sure to subscribe so that you can catch all future episodes of the Under the Influence podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, then you will love the online program, The Retention Recipe. It's all about communication strategies that you can employ in somebody's first 12 visits that help transition them from a pain level of health belief to a prevention level of health belief and open up the opportunities for them to see chiropractic as part of a performance or wellness lifestyle. Check it out at insideoutpractices.com.